When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Ja'Cory Hayes, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson. We're once again doing something a little different this week. February is Black History Month, and we're going to do some podcast episodes with Black entrepreneurs, writers, thinkers, etc. this month. Black history is, of course, not just for February, but there's never a bad time to do more work shining a light on the contributions of Black Americans. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. We're joined by two brothers, Justin and Jeremy Sutherland. Justin uh, has a really long resume, but he is the co-managing partner of the Madison Restaurant Group and the owner and head chef of the Handsome Hog. And I think like many other restaurants, I'll let him talk about all of that. Plus, he is the official culinary consultant for Allianz Field. Jeremy is the uh, founder and owner of Hybrid Nation. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Just, I, yep. you know, like I'm just trying to get all my facts correct here. A socially conscious streetwear brand based in Minneapolis, that uses its platform to promote the importance of diversity. A portion of the brand's proceeds go to community-level initiatives and year-round give-back programs carried out with nonprofit partners. Guys, how's it going today? You know, all things considered, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty great. I can't complain. Glad to be here. And I know Jeremy is doing okay because he's in Los Angeles and it's a lot warmer there. Yeah, it's, it's tough to complain when it's winter in Minnesota and I'm in L.A., so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll ask you guys, uh, uh, Jeremy, I'll start with you. Uh, I, you know, I gave you the intro there. This is, I, I drew this from your website for Hybrid Nation. Is there, did I do an okay job or is there anything else you want to talk about right away in terms of introducing yourself and, and what your company is? No, that's really it. Um, just started off with a passion for, you know, fashion, streetwear. I've been a sneakerhead my whole life and, and uh, combine that with, you know, this diversity piece and we really just wanted to fuse those things together and and bring something cool that's not just a printed awareness t-shirt once a month that's something a little more significant and long-standing and we did that through through the streetwear piece nice nice and then justin i i gave you a very short resume there but i know you have a lot of things to talk about um anything you want to add right off the bat to your introduction there no, I mean, you hit it. I mean, you know, there, there's a few more restaurants under there. Uh, you know, we're, we're moving into the, the retail space, you know, the whiskey and the spice lines and just uh, launched my my new television show on True TV last Thursday. Um, but that among among plenty of other things. But yes, you, you did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> you all you seem always busy. We'll talk a little bit about uh, fast foodies. I believe that's the, the the TV show you just launched. We'll get into that. I want to start though with some some background. Um, just talk about uh, growing up. Uh, first of all, who's older and who's younger? I am. I'm the oldest oldest of seven in our family. So okay. So yeah. seven. What are the what are the other who are the other kids? 
Uh, Jeremy's got a twin brother, Jared. Uh, we have a sister, Aaron, who's the second oldest, and then three younger brothers, Trevor, Trent, and Chad. So one sister, six younger brothers, and and me. <laughs> wow. Uh, so th- did your parents try with the the J patterning and then just gave up, or what is what was the deal with that? <laughs> we we started there. I mean, mom's name is Janet. I think after I think after the first three that ran out. So. <laughs> I know I have some friends who are in families where everybody has the same initial. My brother and I, my brother is Sean McPherson, so we have the same first initial as well. But then I, it's just the two of us. We don't have five other other siblings to deal with. So yeah, I can see you could run out of run out of J names pretty quickly there. Um, so you guys grew up in the Twin Cities, right? Um, and and Jeremy, where where exactly was it in St. Paul? So we actually grew up in Apple Valley. Okay. Uh, and then from there, I actually ended up, so Justin and, and Jared, they, they went to uh, Apple Valley High School. Um, I spent a lot of time in Apple Valley. All my friends were there and everything, but I ended up going to private school, went to Holy Angels for a couple of years. And then my dad ended up getting a basketball coaching job at uh, St. Bernard's High School, which is no longer there. It was a small, uh, small private Catholic school in ball off of uh, Rice in Maryland. So that's my St. Paul roots is my high school. But then Justin, Justin ended up doing a chef thing and kind of taking over St. Paul from a different, from a different angle. <laughs> and I, I would say, I would say for the record, I, I'm the only one of the seven that was allowed to go to public school. I think I messed that up for everybody. I think after, yeah. uh, I think after they saw me in public school, they were like, nope, everybody's going to private school. I think Jared got one year at Apple Valley. Then he was over yeah. at the Holy Angels, Trevor, Trent and Chad, all St. Bernard's <laughs> private school. So yeah, yeah. they, uh, I did some things. <laughs> you you did some things. What 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 happened for you in public school? Nothing. I had a great time, just not a lot of school. <laughs> I'm I'm a real proponent of public schools. Uh, my 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 oldest goes to public school. My youngest is going to go uh, start next year. Uh, I grew up in public schools, but I you know. Hey, I am the I am the most well rounded of any of them. I mean, I, I I think I turned out the best. Public school gave me I think a little edge. These guys are a little soft. Like you said, he did the most. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you? First of all, I was going to say the question I had written was, did you guys always get along? But I guess I should ask, do you guys get along as brothers? Well, I you, start with your you original. I'll let Jeremy go perspective on that so we um justin was the older brother by how three three years old three years four old, years four years older three grade years older and you know he was his friends were always around his basketball friends were always around and i was the, i was the brother who was like i'm hanging out with you whether you like it or not right so i i definitely wanted to be as cool or cooler than my older brother for a long time. If Justin left the house for 30 seconds, I was digging through his drawers looking for like bullshit to steal. <laughs> so it was, it was that, it was definitely that dynamic. Um, like I said, if he would leave for school 30 minutes before me, I was wearing his size 13 Jordans when I wore a size like 10 and I'd sneak them in my backpack and wear them to school. So that, <laughs> on for a really long time but that was definitely like a, a point of a little bit of tension between us um but just to fast forward to, to your next question that's all changed I think I said something um 
It might have been after you opened Handsome Hog or it was after you won Iron Chef. And I put a post up that basically said, it's official. My older brother's the coolest of the brothers. <laughs> and I seated just recently, but nonetheless, um, yeah, our, our relationship is, is awesome. And I, and I think on the flip side, you know, growing up, I mean, Jeremy was, you know, the ultimate athlete in the family, extremely smart and much more, much more driven than any of us were at the time for the age. I mean, everything that he did, he put everything into. He was, he got better grades than us. He was way better athlete than us. And he, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I didn't let him win because I was going to punch him in the face before I'd let him win a basketball game. <laughs> you know, I was throwing elbows, but quite frankly, he was better. He beat me in things. He was smarter than me and he was better at me than activities. And all I wanted was a little brother. And I just kept, I remember crying to my mom, like, why can't Jeremy just be my little brother? Why has he got to be so much better than me at stuff? So, so that's where, it's, that's where some of my uh, animosity when we were younger came from. But, you know, a few years ago, he conceded. Um, so we're all good now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, heavy is the head that wears the crown, uh, Justin, I, as an oldest in my family, I also feel like he's a lot of responsibility, um, but also I felt that pressure as well from, from siblings. They, I think it's, it's, it's a good family dynamic if, if nobody really knows how much everybody appreciates each other and everybody's a little bit competitive, I think. Right. <laughs> so, um, Justin, let's start with uh, sort of your background. You know, I've, I've, I've read a couple of different articles about sort of your journey into becoming a chef. Um, you know, it's starting with 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 an, an easy bake oven when you were when you were five, right? Is what I've seen in in a couple places. Um, yep. Just just give everybody sort of the, the overview of your journey into realizing that this is what you wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the easy bake oven. I mean, that's that's definitely a that's definitely a true story. Um, it was more just because I was I followed my grandmother's around the kitchen my whole life. You know, I have a grandmother from Japan. Um, I have a grandmother with strong Southern roots, with roots out of Mississippi, very soul food driven. Um, you know, and both of them had two totally different stories. You know, Japanese grandma came here spoken, speaking zero English. Southern grandmother, you know, grew up very, very poor. So food was their love language. You know, we would have grandma communicate, both grandmas communicated through food. So that's where my initial love for food came from. Um, but I never, ever saw it as a career path. I mean, especially at the time, this is pre, you know, pre-food TV. There was no celebrity chefs. It was not a lucrative career whatsoever. Um, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer or or an actor. Uh, you know, I went to college at MSU for business management. Uh, did that whole deal. Was was planning on doing pre law. Uh, sold mortgage for a couple of years after college and sat in an office, you know, for six months. And I was going to blow my brains out. And I was like, "There's no way this this office life is cut out for me." So, remember calling my dad and saying, "I I got to do something different. I'm going to work." And he, he said, you've always loved food. Why don't we try culinary school? You know, if it doesn't work out, you've got your business degree. You can always go back. You do law school anytime in your life. So moved to Atlanta, went to culinary school down there and found out I was kind of good at it. And here, here, we, here we are. <laughs> what, was that, what was that moment of getting to a, a, a culinary? Like, first of all, what age was this at that you sort of made this transition? And then what is that moment like of just, I'm going to upend sort of what I had planned and then start this new thing? Like, what is that like? Yeah, you know, I mean, it was right around, it was right around 22, you know, it did the four years at, at, at MSU, right out of high school. Um, so it's 22, 23, um, you know, realizing that I just, I didn't, I wasn't cut out for, for office life, but I had to A, have some sort of creative outlet and I needed to interact with people. I needed to, you know, feel like I was, I was touching people on some other level than sitting in an office taking their money. So, uh, <laughs> um, so I mean, that's, that's kind of where that realization came from. Um, 
Atlanta just happened because I needed to go somewhere to, you know, to miss some snow and, you know, and then really fell in love with it for, for a while. You know, I spent about four years in Atlanta, um, worked at some awesome restaurants until I was decided it was time to come home, uh, moved back home. And I mean, it was just grueling, you know, that line, that line cook work, you know, back then making 10, $11 an hour working, you know, 50 hours a week and 20 hours off the clock and getting paid nothing. And I loved what I was doing. I just, I wanted more out of it. Um, I remember probably it was, must've been, I don't know, 25, 26 when I, you know, I got in this really bad car accident, which I walked out of unscathed, but you saw that everybody was like, you should be dead. How is this possible? Um, you know, had a bad breakup with a girlfriend was just in a bad financial situation and kind of hit this quarter life crisis situation. And I remember quitting my job, selling all my shit, writing a, writing a letter to my parents and bought a one-way ticket to Costa Rica and ended up, and ended up staying down there for, uh, shit, almost eight months. Um, and you know, just, I, I walked almost from Panama or from uh, Belize through the Panama canal, stopping in small towns, sleeping in hammocks and hostels and reading and writing. And that's where I wrote my kind of business plan for handsome hog laying in a hammock down there. And took about eight months till I had my, had my shit figured out and <laughs> called, called, called mom and said, all right, I'm ready to come home. Wow. That sounds amazing. Um, now I'm going to turn to Jeremy. I hope you have a story about um, backpacking through the wilderness uh, to get to the point of starting hybrid nation, but what, <laughs> give, us, give us the sort of the, the sort of the cliff's notes on your, your journey, uh, you know, to entrepreneurship. Yeah, no, I never had to uh, leave the country to experience that. Um, definitely some plenty of sleep, uh, you know, sleep on the couch in your office type of nights. Um, but you know, ever since I was little, I, my mom was a flight attendant and she's retired now, so I can say this, but, uh, she would on Fridays, I would leave school early once a month. Justin, you remember this when I would uh, go out to canal street mm-hmm. and canal street had all the bootlegs and all the purses and all the stuff like that. And, you know, I would go buy these colognes and these purses and I would sell them on eBay. So I was doing this in like eighth grade, right? And I don't think my mom really even knew what I was doing. Like grandma would give me like 300 bucks and be like, okay, go get some stuff, right? <laughs> and so I'm like selling it. I can sell on eBay. And then I found that like TJ Maxx, and this is kind of when it all stopped, but I found that TJ Maxx would buy Rosetta Stone. Remember Rosetta Stones, the language things that you could, yeah. you know, pop them in. And you'd find them for like 90% off at the checkout aisle at, at TJ Maxx. And I would, uh, I would buy those and I'd sell them on eBay. Well, little did I know there's an end user agreement on there, right? So when you buy that disc, you can't resell it to anybody. So I'd post this Rosetta Stone and that was like my cash cow. Like these things were going for 400, 500 bucks. And I was getting them at the checkout line in TJ Maxx for like 60 bucks, right? <laughs> And all of a sudden the listing keeps getting taken down. It says, Hey, you're violating policy. So I'd like relist it real quick and I'd get a bunch of offers and I try to sell it. And and about a month later, my mom gets a a letter from the FBI. (laughs) You are, you're, uh, you're selling um, these end user agreement licensed products, your blah, 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 my eBay, the same eBay account is still shut down to this day. Um, but she's like, all right, no more flipping illegal shit like online. So right. Canal street gets shut down. The last time we went out there, 
the, the there was a big raid on Canal Street. And so like I'm holding these DVD bootleg DVDs in my hand and like the SWAT team pulls up and they jump out of the car and clear Canal Street. The lady with the cart runs off and leaves the DVDs. My mom's like, put those down. I'm like, well, we got them now. Can we keep them? So I, I was always just I was garage sale shopping. I was doing that. So entrepreneurship was just it was something I was I was going to do. Right. Um, but then fast forward to college when, with the brand, with the hibernation stuff, um, roommate of mine, kind of inception story, uh, roommate of mine, uh, he was a year younger than me, Kellen, who's co-founder of hybrid nation as well. He came back from winter break and I was going to school down at Carleton in Northfield. And so came back from winter break and he said, Hey, uh, one of my friends, he's from Colorado. One of my friends called me a hybrid. And, and Kellen's mom's white and his dad's black. And I looked at him, I go, well, I'm a hybrid too. You know, my mom's, my mom's half Japanese, half Norwegian. My dad's black. And, you know, cue like a nerdy 4 a.m. session with a bunch of like liberal arts, smart liberal arts kids, like 4 a.m. girl was looking around. It's like a girl from Pakistan, a kid from, you know, Atlanta. And, you know, we're all in there and we're like, she looks around, she goes, well, this is hybrid nation. And we're like, light bulb goes off. Wow, that's incredible. This is hybrid nation. And I think a week later, like Kellen's mom made us like a bumper sticker <laughs> with like the um, skin tone emoji. So this is pre-skin tone emoji. She was ahead of the Apple curve game. <laughs> and she made this bumper sticker with these, you know, darker to darkest to lightest skin tone emojis. And she's like, here you guys go. So next thing you know, we're like, well, we're all on scholarships, on grants from, from um, you know, alumni who said, hey, I want to give a minority who either plays a sport, has a certain GPA, I want to give, give them an opportunity to go to Carleton. So, you know, every trimester I'm writing letters to the families who are giving me these grants for to attend Carleton. So we're like, well, let's do that. We're all, we're all here because of that. We all have this opportunity because of that. Like, let, let's figure out how we can raise money. So it actually started off as a nonprofit concept where we said, all right, well, let's sell some t-shirts and make some money and, and, and get into, you know, the nonprofit lane. Well, after, you know, printing t-shirts, selling them out of our trunk and realizing like, Hey, we have something here. I think I talked to Justin and dad and Aaron, our sister, they were like, you guys can't start a nonprofit. Like, you guys are going to go to jail. <laughs> you guys need help. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was, it was just so much. Like when I looked up what it took to really run a, a nonprofit, we, we, we realized that that was like way more than we had the capacity for at the time. I was still pursuing professional basketball in Europe. So I was flying over, you know, during season, um, I was in France, uh, Mexico, um, Spain. Germany. Sure. Yep. So I was, I was pursuing professional basketball. So I was still doing a lot of other stuff. I hadn't completely hung it up yet from the, from the basketball side of things. Um, but we still had this brand, we still had this concept and we still had this passion for what we wanted to do. So, um, we held on to it. My, my business partner, Kellen went off to law school at Madison ended up getting his degree there, practicing law later in Milwaukee. And then fast forward to about 2016, where we still had this brand, we still had this concept, we were still printing t-shirts for our friends. And um, 
we had a reunion at uh, a friend's wedding in 2017. And Kellen looked at me and goes, you know, we got to go full time with this thing. He was living in Milwaukee. He called me two weeks later. This was when Justin just had opened up the hog and said, we're moving to St. Paul. We're going to live across the street from Justin's restaurants. We'll have our business meetings there. <laughs> like it, he said, he put his two weeks in. He moved. He moved to St. Paul two weeks later, and that's when we started going full cut and sew. Really started getting into the the streetwear side of things, and we said, hey, like we don't need to be a nonprofit to help and spread a positive message. Um, get involved on the philanthropic side. Partner up with other people, um, and that's when we started going full time, and and it's been it's been good ever since then. Yeah, and that's and the, the nonprofit part of it. The, I mean, obviously, it's it's very complicated to run a nonprofit. Um, it's more than just not making money, which I discovered when I tried to run a nonprofit band at one point. Um, <laughs> but you're still, I mean, the, the company is still involved with giving back to the community. You have different sort of nonprofit, uh, you know, connections and initiatives and things like that. Tell me a little bit about about that side of it now. Um, well, so that's the cool part is um, we have companies, brands, organizations reach out to us. And it's pretty much just always a yes for us. Because if someone's reaching out to our brand, it's because we know that they have an affinity towards our mission, towards our goal, towards what we stand for, towards, you know, um, promoting diversity, inclusion. Um, so for example, like um, Hippie Feet is a sock company who provides... Uh, jobs for homeless youth um, through their production process, whether it's packaging through, through through other production avenues. So when they sell their socks, they're also employing homeless youth. So we partnered with them and done sock programs with them. We've been doing a sock one for one sock program. So buy one sock, give a pair back, um, things like that. Getting involved with like YouthLink, um, YouthLink Minnesota. Um, done some initiatives with them. And then other just artists or brands or people that want to collaborate and give back and help. Um, for example, we had a young woman, um, Megan Stewart. She painted a three-piece mural um, during the George Floyd, right after the George Floyd murder. She painted a three-piece mural. It was George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and um, Ahmaud Arbery. And she painted this incredible mural. And she just literally pulled up to our office and said, hey, I painted this. I don't know what you guys can do with it. Auction it, sell it, like raise some money. I want to be involved. So we ended up printing t-shirts, selling the t-shirts and um, donating proceeds to Juxtaposition Arts, who's a local mm -hmm. art um, organization that provides um, resources for, you know, underserved youth in the community. For arts so things like that like we're, we're, we've been able to be a platform for people to come and and help and express themselves however it is so we're, we're just been we've been open to doing stuff like that in the community however we can yeah um and justin um i know it, you know also work in the community and supporting the community has been a big thing for you how does how does that come into your life and into your professional life i mean now probably more more than more than ever i mean i think you know, what, what my platform and, and, you know, the food space has taken me to and been able to do is the things that I'm actually truly passionate about. Um, so, I mean, right now I, I sit on the board for, uh, for three nonprofits, you know, I, I work with the inner city ducks, um, which, which here in, in the twin cities, we've got, you know, 100 and 
47 kids that we inner city kids that go to schools that don't um, have after school sports programs. Um, so we provide all of the everything from the gym time to the uniforms to the transportation, everything to get these kids so they can, you know, compete with the kids in the suburbs who have those opportunities. Um, you know, we being of the pandemic, uh, myself and David Fema started the North Stands, um, along with Sanya Foundation, um, to essentially help out of all the out of work hospitality um, workers um, from that to all the speaking engagements I do with schools. And I mean, it started off with youth schools, but now it's even corporate. I mean, the surprising amount of adult, you know, corporate situations, you know, that I'm speaking in front of about, uh, you know, diversity and, and just, you know, how to, how they can, how they can do better and, and, and be more aware. So it's, it's really given me the opportunity to, you know, do the things uh, that I'm passionate about. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of a complicated question. Do you do you feel like in the wake of 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 George Floyd's murder and sort of that happening at the same time as as this pandemic is going on, you know, Justin, you mentioned doing more like, you know, corporate work and stuff like that. Do you have any sense? I mean, it's so hard to see progress, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and progress is is slow. And I think that, you know you hate to feel like there has to be patience with it, but it's right. a lot of little steps. Like, have you seen though, like some change at least since then? Um, in, in your professional life? You know, I don't, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd use the word change yet. Um, you know, I would definitely say uh, awareness is there. I would definitely say that, you know, people are at least acknowledging the importance of, uh, you know, of, of, of their awareness. Uh, you know, my, my biggest fear through all of this is that, uh, you know, Americans in general, we have a very, very short attention span when it comes to trauma. You know, we we think everything is the worst thing in the world. Everybody's a keyboard activist for a moment while it's happening. Then you for, it goes away. You forget about it. The next headline comes um, and it's no longer, you know, at the forefront. So my biggest thing is that we need, you know, we need we need what's happened to, to stick. And then that's the point that I'm that I'm driving home, especially when I'm speaking to adults and corporate people that are saying how, you know, how can we be more, you know, how can we be better advocates and how can, how can we do this and that? Um, yes, we, we appreciate your hashtags and, and all of this, but, um, you know, the first thing is, 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 are you committed to, to making this a priority? Um, and in order to do that, sometimes you just have to, you know, shut up and listen and feel uncomfortable. And, you know, if you really want to ask the hard questions, you're going to get hard answers and it's probably not the answer that you want to hear. Um, so, you know, how, how much, how, how, how in this are you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and Jeremy, what, what about your perspective sort of, sort of since those, you know, the George Floyd's murder and like, you know, what you've seen in the community, um, sort of, sort of similar things. I mean, I do sort of feel like there's this hashtag activism thing. And so there, a lot of it is performative, but it's also, you know, it's very, you know, that commitment is like, it only counts if it stays over time. And it's, we just haven't seen that time happen yet. So what's been your perspective? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, Justin hit it on the head and you just you just said we haven't had the time yet to see if it sticks. But um, I heard from a longtime activist who was, you know, reflecting back on Martin Luther King and their in the in their marches. There was a lot of people who were doing it just to be cool back then, too. But we needed those people. So however you're jumping on the on the on the train, on the bandwagon, on on really trying to be a part of the movement, we need everybody to be part of the movement. And there's a lot of people who who are late through it, who during the last killing, the last murder of uh, unarmed black man who, who wasn't there and who saw the George Floyd and now is there. 
that person's just important as the next. So I, I think that uh, it's hard for me to be too critical now and say, well, it was just a media thing. Social media is a thing. That's, that's, that's where we're at right now. So if the mm-hmm. hashtag thing to do right now, then I welcome everybody to, um, to get involved in that. But um, we all know that it, it t- it's going to take a lot more. It's going to take a lot deeper work. And how in are you really going to be, especially when it comes to these corporations? Like, what change are you going to make now? How uncomfortable are you going to get when it comes down to, um, you know, you're all, you're, you're bored and making a decision that may not short term um, be what you think is in your best interest financially um, when it comes to like creating equity. So tough. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think that both of you guys touched on that, the sort of the uncomfortability part of it and sort of getting, I mean, I don't want to say comfortable with being uncomfortable, but understanding that that is going to be a thing that's going to come at you. And and I think Jeremy, it's a great point to just say, you know, you just got to jump in, you know, and you're probably going to be wrong. You're probably going to find out things that you wish you hadn't found out as you're, as you're getting into this stuff, but you sort of have to sit with it. And it is not a thing that that Americans come to naturally. I think we sort of want to believe like we're doing a good job. And so to find out you're not doing a good job is that's a tough thing to find out. <laughs> and, and also when, when you speak to that, I mean, when, when you find out you're not doing a good job, don't, don't take it personally. I mean, we, right. I don't, we don't, ex- we, we know you haven't been doing a good job and we don't expect you to just naturally do it. But if you are speaking up and saying, Hey, I want to be a part of this, then that's when you have to listen, you know, be quiet, be uncomfortable and you know and 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 forge the new path yeah absolutely let's um let's talk a little bit about sports we've we've touched on sports a couple times here this is a podcast for minnesota united so i suppose we should talk about some 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 sports um you guys were basketball guys uh clearly um do you what is your soccer connection i mean i know there's sort of some some little connections we can talk about with with uh justin being the culinary consultant at Allianz Field and some stuff with Jeremy we're not quite ready to fully talk about yet but that that could be very cool coming in the future but um you know Justin do you have any soccer background in addition to basketball background uh not really I was I was actually much more of a football guy I played I played basketball through a little bit but football was really my sport growing up um you know going to Apple Valley we were we were a soccer school I mean we were you know we were always up there so I mean all my friends played soccer um, I hated running. I looked at soccer and I was like, why would anybody want to chase a ball around? We don't even, there's no breaks. You're just running. Like that sounds like track and field to me with a ball. Um, so I'm just, I just wasn't a runner. Um, but I, I mean, I enjoy the sport. I mean, I love, you know, I've always loved watching it. Actually, Jeremy and, and Jer- Jared, his twin both played soccer, um, in high school. Was it high school or middle school? So it was high school, actually. High school. There's a, there's a good story to that one. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll let him tell that story. So they, they played a little soccer. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed the sport. I love the just the international feel of it. I mean, there's nothing like there's nothing. There's no other sport in the in the world, you know, that brings people out like soccer. I mean, having gone to games in London and, you know, going out to Twickenham and just being it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So, I mean, I love that energy. Yeah, Justin. So, uh, okay, Justin gave us that. Jeremy, you have a story about about soccer in high school. I, I got to hear this one. Yeah, so I was I was a hundred percent all in on basketball. I was not even thinking about any other sports. Not a chance. Um, senior year, um, we had a teacher who was in charge of detention. So he was the one who ran our ran detention. You know, at the end of the day, you got to stay for thirty minutes, what have you. 
And Chad, Jared, and myself, we all got detention. I don't remember what we got detention for, but Mr. Carpentier, he, he looked at us and he said, listen, you guys don't have to do this month-long detention if you try out for the soccer team. And we were like, what? Like, <laughs> we don't want to play soccer. And we end up, so we go, we try out for the team. And soccer tryout, I, it, all I remember is, it was like, okay, run seven miles. <laughs> like, that's all we did. Like, we got there, we stretched, and it was like, all right, we have to run for seven miles. So I'll end up making the team. Um, Chad, me and Chad were playing uh, forwards. Jared was playing defense. Like, scored four goals. Like, my first goal was a header, and I just – we had a our center mid. This kid was just incredible. He ended up going to Dartmouth, but he could just put the ball anywhere, right? So – and we were playing in a small conference. I'm 6'4". The, the tallest kid on the soccer field at that point was must have been, like, 5'9". <laughs> so okay, you're going to play outside right, you're going to run as fast as you can, and you're going to head the ball in. Like, so I was just, I didn't know what I was doing, but I had fun. It was awesome. Um, so that was my first soccer experience. And um, I was upset that I hadn't played the rest. I, I wish I would have played the rest of my life because I, I, was, I was pretty good. It was, it was fun. Um, but then to touch on what you said, Justin, as far as community and like experiencing soccer at, at the professional level, um, I was studying abroad in London and we would travel on the weekends and I, we ended up going to Camp Nou and went out to see a game there. And it was like soccer became my sport. It's, un, it's not even a describable moment to right. have that many fans going that crazy when there is like one goal scored. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, what did I just experience? And it just brings so many people together and the whole diversity thing and, and, and how soccer has been a sport that's really been about no racism and, and really been a strong, like vocal. I think it was, it's written on the field. It's written on the, on the posters, on the sidelines. So that was really cool to see because it's such a worldly sport. Right. So, um, you know, diversity, acceptance, no racism is something that's really important um, as these teams are all coming together. So, I, I I just saw so much cool stuff when I when I experienced soccer. Yeah, and and so, Justin, in terms of looking at your you know sort of responsibilities as culinary consultant for Allianz Field, obviously we haven't had people in Allianz Field for for a year, but um, you know I remember sort of following along as you were you know working on launching uh, Allianz Field and figuring out the sort of that food story. Um, just walk us through that a little bit, like that idea of like what you wanted to bring um, sort of and, and see at Allianz Field and, you know, working with, with the people there on, on, on making that happen. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and to Jeremy's point, I think, you know, at first when they reached out, you know, I, you know, I'd, I had a lot on my plate and I was like, I don't want to do, conce- I don't know anything about soccer. Do I want to do concession stands? Like what are they, I, you know, it wasn't at first I didn't, I didn't really understand what it is they wanted. So I started, you know, I, 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 did some research on the team, you know, talked to Chris and really found out what this team stood for and, and, and what soccer in general stood for. And it's just so much aligned with, you know, with, with, with our company, with hybrid nation, with my own personal values, with the, you know, with the direction that I wanted to take myself. And I was like, okay, this is, this is more than, this is more than concession food. This is, you know, they, they're invested in this community and, and they want to tell a story. 
Um, you know, and, and being a big St. Paul guy, I mean, I've been here for, for 15 years. I'm very familiar with the, the neighborhoods and diversity and, and struggles that surround some of these different neighborhoods in St. Paul. Um, you know, and as you know, Allianz Field was, was dropped right in the middle of the University Avenue, you know, University Avenue. I mean, in, you know, arguably one of the most diverse you know, neighborhoods around St. Paul. I mean, you've got all, all of your, um, you know, Hmong communities and, and um, Somalian communities and, and just everything happening right there. And, you know, when, when they said that they wanted, you know, the food at Allianz to, to tell the story of the community, um, you know, that's what really, really drew me in. So, and that was just a super fun pro process, you know, reaching out to, you know, some of these neighborhood, you know, mom and pop places that generally aren't getting a lot of representation and allowing them to put themselves on a platform, you know, in a stadium and, and showcasing, you know, the, the food that that is soccer. Because when you talk about, you know, the diversity and the worldliness of soccer, I mean, it's every team, every country has, has a soccer team. And, you know, we have the opportunity to represent, you know, the foods of all those different countries and cultures. So it's been, it's been an amazing, amazing partnership. Yeah, that, that leads in nicely to one of the other things I want to talk about, which is this, this sort of slogan of in diversity we trust. You know, we see, Justin, you're wearing the hat that's it's on all the, the clothing from, from Hybrid Nation. Um, you know, maybe start with, we'll start with Jeremy. Just from that perspective, I mean, I think diversity is one of those things that we hear a lot, and it's one of those things that you say, like, this is a good idea. Um, but, like, what is the particular strength that you feel like diversity brings to sort of just not just, you know, like in, in business, in culture, in the neighborhood, like why is diversity um, super important in order to make strong communities? Well, I, I don't even think that, I think it's the awareness thing, right? So I think if you the word diversity and you could be sitting around in an, an all white neighborhood um, in the suburbs, but just look around you at the things you're using, at the music you're listening to, at the food you're eating, it's there's not it's not a thing that you have to like look for and accept it's there and so i think to get that awareness and understanding that like this is something this is a part of our our culture this is a part of american culture it's part of how the world works is diversity so um i think just being able to literally wear that on your chest wear that on your hat and have people have that what does that mean to somebody like what does it mean to you? And I think that automatically triggers something when I'm walking through the airport and, and a random old white lady stops me and says, wow, I really like that. Right. Yep. It's like, that's, that's, that's why you do it. So, um, yeah, I don't think it, it's the awareness piece that I think is biggest for me. And, and again, just being able to wear that on your chest is, is the reason why I think the affinity is so strong for the brand when, um, you know, someone sees Justin on TV wearing it and they're like, yes, I want that hat. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and and, okay, yeah. Go ahead. Justin. No, 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 go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know, like from, from your perspective also, I know like it comes in, it comes in through your food and, and your mm -hmm. family background. You know, I've read you talk about your Japanese grandmother and you touched on here, your Southern grandmother, you have a Norwegian grandfather. There's a lot of cultures that go into making, you know, the food that you make, um, so what, what your take on that? No, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think this hat bears, bears a lot, a lot of weight. And I think would really helps, you know, propel it forward. I mean, it, it really came around, you know, when, when there was another hat with a different slogan on it that was being worn around. And this was almost the antithesis of that. Like, you know, when I saw somebody walking around with that other hat, I knew exactly what they stood for. And when people see me wearing this hat, 
they know exactly what I stand for. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a very, very, you know, line in the sand. I mean, there's no gray area and it, and it goes for me for, you know, for everybody. And I think people have embraced it because we don't, you know, I mean, I'll see, and I mean, and it's blown up and, you know, I'll see people in a random airport are just sitting at dinner and, you know, you make eye contact with somebody, you don't have to say anything. And they see your hat and it's just like, all right, you know, we're cool. <laughs> like, you know, and it's just, it's just, it gives people that, you know, that unspoken platform of, you know, I stand for something positive. Um, so that's, that's why it's become so important for me. Um, and then, yes, I mean, diversity is, it just, it's, it just helps me tell my story. Cause like you said, I mean, I come from a very diverse background. Most people wouldn't, wouldn't know that my grandma's Japanese and my grandpa's Norwegian and, and, you know, that story. So I think it just helps, it helps propel that story, um, for me through my food as well. Excellent. So um, last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, I, I interviewed a couple, we drafted this, the MLS super draft just happened recently. And I talked to some of the draftees and I asked them all about um, music, like music they would recommend. I got some good, uh, some, some reggae recommendations that I hadn't heard before, sort of in the spirit of black history month and mm-hmm. black creativity. Um, could both of you, um, you know, either some music or a film or TV, like anything from a black creator that you would like to recommend, maybe could pe- people check out and become a little more aware for that. Maybe we can start with Jeremy. So it's, it, I, I'm going old school on this. And, and so this is not going to be new for anybody, but I am, I'm not I listening to much new music lately. Um, I have Jay-Z, the blueprint one and two on repeat in my car. I do a lot of driving in LA and uh, Jay-Z, if you want to talk black excellence, then he <laughs> pinnacle of that. So uh, I, I'm going to stick with Jay-Z um, blueprint one and two. And Justin put me on to that when my mom didn't want him to and parental CDs were a thing. And I used to steal his CDs too. So that goes, that ties in well with the theme. I, I, I would I, I would say two two music artists for me that I think have very much been propelling the the message lately um, are are Gary Clark Jr. Um, and and Run the Jewels. Um, I tell I tell anybody if you like hip hop and you want to hear a good story and you want to hear you know the plight of the African American, put in any Run the Jewels album, listen to it from beginning to end, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna make you learn something. And and you know I love I love listening to Gary Clark Jr. Excellent. Excellent. Both really good recommendations. Well, guys, uh, thanks so much. I'm going to give you the opportunity now. Um, if you have something to, to promote, I, I would like to spend more time talking to you about everything, but we're already getting kind of long on this. Um, yep. Real quick, Justin, if, if there's anything like online, where can people find you? What should they be checking out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, please follow me uh, at Chef Justin Sutherland on Instagram, you know, just to stay up to date with everything. Um, I've got my my whiskey out in partnership with Tattersall Distilling, um, as well as uh, my Chef Justin Sutherland line of spices. We've got brisket rub, rib rub, chicken dredge, bourbon smoke wind seasoning, Tennessee hot. Um, all of that is available for sale at justinsutherland.com. Um, and please make sure you're checking out my new show, Fast Foodies, uh, on True TV, every Thursday, 930 Central. Excellent. Justin, before we go to Jeremy, I have one question for you. I started smoking uh, uh, meat, not smoking, but smoking meat uh, this summer. Uh, I got the easy mode, which is the Traeger grill. Yep. Um, but I have, I have a question for you. Pork belly, fat cap up or fat cap down? What's your opinion on that? Always up. As Always that up. Fat, all that fat renders down, you want to just seek it, soak into that meat. If you put it down, it's just going to, hey, you're going to start on fire probably. Uh, so don't, don't put it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I have I have a lot more chef questions, you know, for for Justin. Maybe we can deal with that at a later date. Jeremy, where uh, can people find you online? Yeah, so my personal um, 
Instagram, uh, OMG underscore Jeremy and hybrid nation, um, at hybrid nation for all things hybrid nation. Um, you can go to hybridnationclothing.com to pick up that hat that Justin's wearing right now and all the other stuff that we got, um, online and yeah, just continue to follow the journey. Yeah, there'll be some. There's gonna be some cool stuff with Minnesota United and, and and Hybrid Nation. I'm just I'm just dropping the dropping a little tease there. Hopefully, it, it, it'll be out before too long. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. everybody out there, thank you for joining us for the 129th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five star rating, and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and me at Steve Entress. Apologies as always to Richard Wagner, and remember. There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.